Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. All the Bright Places is a 2020 film on Netflix concerning um, two young adults who are working through issues on their own. Um, as you will probably ascertain as the, the show goes on, the one of the themes probably the one of the more prevailing themes of the movie would would, would be suicide. Uh, joining me today is M Michelle Anhang. Um, now, Michelle, you are you are a coach working with families and individuals dealing with mental health issues, correct? Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. Well, th thank, thank you. For, thank you for being here today. I, I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Uh, now, this uh, podcast is a, I like to call it a commentary track format for a very simple reason, that you are not alone. I know many people listening today might, might say, well, what do you mean I'm not alone? Of course I'm alone. There, there's no one else here with me. What it may be that is when, you're, when you have someone to go to a movie with, when you have someone to watch a movie with, then movie watching becomes a social activity when you don't have anyone to watch a movie with or anyone to go to a movie with, then the movie watching becomes a solitary and solo activity. So I am here today to let, let you know that A, you are not alone and that I will watch the movie with you. Uh, Michelle will watch the movie with you as well. Uh, it might not be the whole movie, uh, but we'll be here with you part of the time. Um, I did want to mention, all, and, and, and also if you did want to listen to the podcast, as a commentary track, we will be on the other side of the pause button. The, um, I did also want to mention a couple of crisis text lines. Uh, if you are in the US, you can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. In the UK, you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to eight five two five eight. So, Michelle, again, well, welcome. Um, thank you for being here today. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, now, one of the things that I had mentioned to you uh, prior to uh, starting the show is I uh, always have. I don't want to say always have difficulty, but there is always you know wanting to be respectful of what to say and how to approach dialogue when there is a survivor of situation. Um, so, so survive, see, I'm even stumbling my words on that. <laughs> uh, survivor of suicide um, situation. Mm -hmm. So there is some um, worry about what, what to say and, and the right way to approach it so as to be respectful and, and considerate. Mm -hmm. And what, what, would you, what would you say to that if there's, if there's any worry about yeah. Um, it's a great question, actually, to start. So um, I guess for, for the audience to know, um, I am a suicide loss survivor. I lost my husband uh, 14 years ago. Uh, he had bipolar disorder and a form of schizophrenia, and, and sadly, he, he took his life. And um, I, I love your honesty and your vulnerability in not knowing what to say. And I think, you know, from my experiences, there, you know, there were so many people who didn't, I mean, well, in my situation was a little bit different because we did hide it, but you know, for those who yeah, did, did know, um, there, you know, there were people who didn't know what to say. I mean, I think people just don't know what to say often, even when it has to do with any kind of death, but yes, my husband was 
35, I was 34 and it wasn't, you know, wasn't something that was, you know, on anybody's radar. Yes. And so I think, you know, the first thing is just even saying like, I don't know what the right thing is to say. You know, just being honest and vulnerable that you don't know, because, you know, if we're lucky, we don't have many opportunities that we can get good at this So you know, in Correct. our own lives. But that piece of honesty of saying, like, I care and I don't want to say the wrong thing and I don't know what the right thing is immediately, you know, brings you to a place of vulnerability and connecting on a very human level. And, you know, as a suicide loss survivor, I have a very deep appreciation for that of like, yeah, of course you wouldn't know what to say. And, you know, and I appreciate rather than trying to, you know, say the right thing or make a comment that just seems kind of weird and off base. Cause then it's like, I think then we end up both being uncomfortable versus Correct. both of us then feeling comfortable of like, Oh, you know, like the elephant Correct. is in the room. We can Correct. It. Correct. Because when, as I was watching this movie and obviously it takes place, I'm presuming senior high, senior year of high school, it looks like from mm -hmm. what I can gather. Um, my experience with suicide is uh, during high school, there, there would be losses and every time, and I say every time meaning probably three or four, at least maybe a half dozen by the time I was a sophomore. Mm -hmm. more by the time I graduated the school where I where I went to high school they planted a tree in the students honor so by the time by the time we, we graduated the the um the running field where you know the, the football yeah. games there were a bunch of trees that mm -hmm. were not there you know freshman year yeah. because every year there would be more loss there was a song that I, that I still love, um, People Who Died by um, Jim Carroll Band, mm -hmm. that it was, it was dramatized in the Basketball Diaries movie with um, Leonardo Di DiCaprio. And the, the same thing, when I heard, heard that song for the first time when I was in high school, all of the lyrics are about, you know, obviously people who died. Mm -hmm. And some of those are from suicides. Mm -hmm. So it was something that was part of my experience from junior high, you know, high school going on, you know, onward that there are people who we, we, we lose and who, who, who we miss and still trying to make sense of it, particularly when it's so, um, you know, sudden in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, so that's been, um, been, been a um, lifelong journey. What, um, so this is something that, that, that um, as far as when, when it happened, um, that is something that, that that's, was the, the starting point to, to, to your journey on, you know, working th through all this or how, yeah. how did that, how did that process play out? Um, so, um, you know, my husband only received his diagnosis a couple of years beforehand. Um, you know, his, his behavior, like it was starting to show up, but it was spread out enough that we didn't see it as like, okay, there's, there's something really wrong here. Right. Um, and 
you know, we, we grew up together. We were high school sweethearts or well, yeah. pretty much, but yes, we're dating at 18 and married at 22. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but we were in a community that didn't talk about mental illness, that didn't talk about suicide. And so we didn't talk about it before he died, um, you know, that he was, he was living with this. And um, afterwards, um, the family made a decision to not say it was, it was a suicide, that it was an accident. And so I just shoved everything as far down as it would go. And I didn't deal with any of it um, for more than 10 years. And it was only really for me, the journey of healing and getting to the place where I am now and the work that I'm doing only happened in the last few years. Um, you know, when I had my own mental health challenges. I mean, I think, I think I was experiencing them beforehand, but again, they were, you know, I mean, for one thing, I just, you know, kind of shoved it down or went into survival instinct. And, you know, and I had had traumas um, earlier in life too. And I think this was just my way of coping was just don't, don't think and don't feel. And, Correct. you know, and, yeah. which doesn't work because, you know, as I think those of us who have done it know it, you know, the emotions leak out sideways at the yes. wrong time exactly. and in the exactly. wrong ways. So yeah. there's no real way of, 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 um, you know, kind of pushing it away. Um, but yeah, it, I, you know, had depression from not grieving the way that I needed to grieve. I was pretending yeah. to grieve an accident and not a yeah. suicide. And, yeah. you know, for those of us who, have you know lost somebody we love to suicide we know there's a lot of different emotions than say if somebody dies you know from cancer there's there's always there's that element of you know did i do enough could i have done something differently did i miss something so there were all those pieces um you know then there's anger too you know i i was up i was angry that you know how could you do this like now you know your suffering is over and, and i'm being really real here <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you know it's like yeah. i was 34 we had two kids they were seven and four and it was like okay your suffering's over and now i'm here cleaning up a a huge mess, you know, yeah. the, the, the dealing with the family, dealing with, you know, the kids. Now I've got to raise them alone. Financially, we were in a very bad place. Unfortunately, you know, his manic episodes, you know, left us in a, a financial disaster. Yeah. And so I had to process all of that, which I didn't do for many years. I just, I carried it in me. Yeah. And so it was either depression for, you know, of not feeling these feelings that I really needed to work through or anxiety of worrying, what if somebody finds out? What if I'm, I'm you know, discovered to be a fraud? What if my yeah. kids find out the wrong way? And so really living in a very, very unhealthy place for over 10 years. And from that place, just making decisions that were really unhealthy because I wasn't healthy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I reached a point where I just said, I can't do this anymore. Like it's, it's too much. I, you know, I'm in too much pain every day. And, and for me, like, you know, while the thought of suicide, you know, comes up every while. And I think, you know, even healthy people once in a while kind of think about it if they're going through a very bad time. Yeah. For me, it was, it was never a choice because it was like, I'm not doing this to my kids again. And they were really sure. what kept me going. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the other option is either I, you know, or, or I, I heal and I do this. And I made the decision at, you know, I was around my 45th birthday, you know, the, the midlife crisis of just yeah, like, yeah. I can't live the next half of my life this way. I just can't yeah. do this. Yeah. 
And so a lot of, a lot of deep healing work, trauma work, dealing with my PTSD, um, you know, I had to grieve and, you know, really get out everything I needed to get out. I got to a point of telling my children and then becoming, you know, public about it and then, and realizing this was the work I wanted to do. How has that process been as it relates to the, the, the parenting side of it? Um, as opposed to an individual side, but but taking on you know the the parenting side of it, how has yeah. that process been? You know, contrasting with the individual part of it, as opposed to yeah, the, as know. a parent, um, it was very hard. It was really hard not telling my kids about it. Um, you know, especially, I mean. You know, as a single parent, um, you know, there are so many challenges, but then here's this added element of, you know, this is something genetic that my kids may pick up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, the medical, I always told the medical professionals what had happened with my husband, but I said, my kids don't know. Some agreed with with me on the decision. Some didn't agree, but I was just like, you know, I, I didn't know how to process it myself at the time to tell these little kids and I didn't want them carrying this burden of wondering because, you know, that's what kids do. They think, you know, could I have, you know, is it my fault somehow or could I have saved him? I didn't want them carrying that burden. And, um, but, you know, always worrying. And every time I would see something, you know, I'd be rushing them to, you know, a, a psychologist or a therapist for an assessment. Like, can you tell me, is, is, does it look like this is going on? And then even when they, um, you know, we're going into middle school, going into high school and, you know, being open to different vulnerabilities and, you know, having access to new and different things, having to really sugarcoat it, you know, and, you know, like with, with smoking and, you know, saying like my husband had smoked two packs of cigarettes a day and, um, and, and he definitely had, um, you know, an addictive personality Mm -hmm. Could, you know, and so with him, it was, you know, not one pack, it was two packs. You yes, know, it was not yes. one drink, it was six drinks. Exactly, yeah. And so kind of sugarcoating it with my kids and just saying like, well, you know, your dad smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. So if you smoke, this might be something that you pick up. You need to have that awareness around it, but not being able to be fully truthful with them. Right. That really, you know, and, and it created, that created a barrier, but I created, you know, I had a barrier just because I knew I was keeping this huge secret from them. And so it definitely impacted my parenting and, um, you know, not having dealt with my emotions definitely also impacted how, how they were raised. And now, you know, my, my younger son, uh, has done some of his own, um, therapy work and we're coming out and yeah. so you know yeah. and and I mean I know we we all do the best we can and so trying yeah. to find forgiveness yeah. and we all you know wound our kids and got wounded by our parents even in the yeah. best case scenario yeah. you know for me I think telling my kids the truth um to put our our relationship it just turned it in a whole other direction mm-hmm. They were amazing when I told them. Yes. They, you know, they, I, I was terrified that they would never speak to me again of like, yeah. how could you lie to us all, you know, this whole time? Yeah. But they, they said like, we wish we, we had known from the beginning, but yeah. we are, you know, we understand why you made the choice that you made. 
And then from that point on, it really shifted things into, I want complete honesty. I will answer any question you have. And I'm here to talk to you and, and get you support if it's not me you want to talk to, you know, to, to process all of this. So, you know, while it wasn't great for those 10 years, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it did shift and it became so much better, so much more open. Um, you know, I, I think we have a better relationship than a lot of parents and, and kids that I know, you know, my... Yeah, yeah because my kids do talk to me about other, because we got to that point of like, okay, we need to just get real with this. So now they, and they know, like, you know, I've shown them my human side of like, yeah, I've screwed up and I'm trying to do better. And, and that's how I've raised them too. Of like, you know what, you're going to, you're going to screw up. It's guaranteed. We all do. And, and it's okay. You can always come to me and I'm here to support you and guide you or just be there for you whenever. So, so that really, I think has, you know, moved us in a very different direction. Cool. Cool. I like that. Cause, cause one of the things that I liked about the movie and keeping, keeping the movie comment to, to a mm-hmm. minimum is the Al Fanning character, her uh, parents. Uh, and I, the movie is based on a book. I, I've not read the books. So I don't know how it relates yeah. to the book, but in the movie, um, Violet's parents, are for the most part supportive of her and there's an open line of of, of dialogue so that that i thought that was an interesting um element in the movie is that yeah. that outlet was available to her and, and they actually initiated some of that conversation yeah. at, at, at times um now this is being recorded at the tail end of september which is suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And those of you listening may be hearing this in October, um, possibly in November, but either October or November, which would be after um, Suicide Prevention Awareness Day. And I wanted to ask you about that. Um, I feel, and I alluded to this when we were scheduling this, Mm -hmm. I feel strongly that the awareness of suicide prevention should be a 24-7 thing and something that should be emphasized all 12 months of the year. And so I just, I just wanted to acknowledge the, uh, you know, the, the, the passing of the Suicide Prevention Month now that we're, you know, you'll be hearing this in, in October or in November and that we're no longer in September. So I just wanted to emphasize that, um, that, and I would imagine that you are the same way as far as fe- feeling that, that, you know, that one month a year, that's not sufficient in I, my mind. Yeah. I agree with you. And I think, you know, if that's what we get, then that's what we get. But yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got, you know, huge ideas about, you know, the need to talk about it, particularly in schools. Um, And, you know, there's so, we're such a lot, we have such a long way to go to get to a good place. You know, we're still kind of you know, backwards in history, <laughs> like, oh, you know, exactly. our, our, our education system feels like, you know, it's stuck in the forties or fifties. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, correct. And it's, it, it's really, it's, it's so messed up. And it's, you know, I think, I think they're starting to get it. Um, but I think it's one of those things that needs to be a, a larger part of, of almost daily 
conversation. Mm -hmm. But there's also still so much stigma around it. And there's this view of like, oh, do we need to be in gloom and doom all the time? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, do we have to go there? And I know like even with, you know, I mean, this is what I do for a living. I, I'm working with families with mental health challenges. Um, I, I, pub, I speak about this publicly and I know people are like, oh, you know, it's, it's heavy. It's a very heavy topic. And like, you know, almost like, oh, please don't talk to that. And it's like, no, I'm actually going to because... Yeah. I'm not the problem you are because yeah, really, right. you know, the fact that you have this attitude is, is really unhealthy and it's not helping the people around you that might be in need. And so, yeah, I, I agree that one month is not enough. And right. I, I am glad that we have the month that it's like for, you know, there, there, we are moving in, in the right direction. True. And, and I am definitely a firm believer in getting it out of your system, mm -hmm. whether it's, whether it's through, through therapy, whether it's through counseling, whether it's talking about it, whether it's through creative means such as, you know, writing about it, which is alluded to in, in the movie, um, just getting it out of your system and talking about yeah. it. That's yeah. something, and I'm definitely a, a firm believer in that um, and not keeping it bottled up because when it's bottled up, it's, that's not good. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. it manifests in other ways. And yeah. So yeah, absolutely. No, um, I did want to mention briefly, um, for those who are watching the movie, I'm going to spoil the ending, not spoil the ending that way, but spoil <laughs> the ending. They do. There is a website given. Netflix set up a website. I, apparently they did work with some mental health professionals in uh, adapting the, the movie and one of the one of the things that they developed was a website all the bright places film dot info so i did want to just mention that for those who may be watching as you're listening to the podcast is that there is a associated i know it's not a novel concept movies having websites but in this case the website mm -hmm. was specifically set up to have resources available so i did want to mention that mm -hmm. um, i did also want to ask you about um, the notion of the suicide crisis hotline mm -hmm. is something that here in the U.S. it's gotten not renewed attention necessarily, but there's been um, recent legislation that would establish a, a one, you know, I think a three, comparable to a like 911, which is mm. the emergency numbers, but for purposes of suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. And obviously not a bad thing. That's obviously a, a very good thing to, to have. Mm -hmm. My, my um, thoughts on that though are, I wish that there could be more of an emphasis on having like a warm line available, like having mm -hmm. not the, immediate, you know, fire alarm, fire emergency resources right. only, but having some, you know what I mean? Like, like one or two alarm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because it seems like a lot of the resources are all, you know, putting all the eggs in one basket, having them all be in the crisis hotline. Right. Box, yeah. It's, but there's it's nothing. management, not prevention. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. with what you were saying about having the, you know, the, the, having it be part of a daily, daily practice, daily talk, you know, whether it's mm -hmm. schools or, I think that would go a long way towards, you know, some of that prevention piece of it. Yeah, I agree. I think in Canada, but I mean, our, our health care system is different. Um, yeah. But we, I think we've got those, particularly now because of the sure. pandemic. Um, but I, I agree. I think that there should be something, um, some kind of hotline. Um, 
And at the same time, you know, something that I speak about often, like I say, for, for all the ways that social media is bad for us and has its negative effects, it's also great in the sense that you can go online and find many, many online support groups. You know, I mean, Facebook has tons and, and I'm part of a number of them. And, and I see the comments. And so for people who are just feeling alone, who just need to vent and, and have that continuity, because it generally tends to be, you know, a certain number of people who are very active all the time. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, just being able to put it out there and saying, like, I'm having a crappy day and I just need to know somebody cares. And then getting 40 or 50 people commenting and saying, yeah. I'm here and you can private message me. There's that. So, you know, don't dismiss those because they're wonderful. I know, you know, there are some that are monitored and it's great even to just go in, even if you're not active, but just seeing, you know, what other people are posting and the reactions that they're getting to know that like, this is available to you too. And, you know, particularly with the pandemic, depending on where people are and how open or closed or first wave or second wave, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. you know, a lot of the support groups have moved online. Sure. So now more than ever, you know, you don't have to be alone, even if you're physically alone. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is access to many of these groups, to many people who care, um, you know, they... And in some ways, I feel like, you know, while the crisis lines are great and they have a trained professional there, mm-hmm. it's a one-off. Exactly. That's, and that's yeah. one of the things that I, I I've, like I said, it, it is something where it, it's, it's a trade-off, you know, it's having yeah. that. And it gets to a point where I, I do want to see more of those um, resources. And, and Now, one yeah. thing I, I wanted to ask you is what would you say for those who, might be you know listening and, and they're going mm-hmm. through a hard time and you know they're not always seeing like the light at the end of the tunnel if they are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel yeah. it's, it's a train it's they're the thinking of yeah yeah what would you what would you say for those who are feeling like there's not a lot to deliver what, what, yeah. what would you say what would you say to, to them I mean, it's not true. And I think there's a part of us that that knows that. And it's just hard to access that part sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And reach out, reach out to somebody, um, you know, anybody. Well, no, I'm going to actually, I'm going to take that back. Not anybody. Be discerning about who you're reaching out to. I'm, I'm a very big believer in knowing who you're looking to for help. Because sometimes there are people in our lives who are well-meaning, but for whatever reason, it could be a generational thing because I think the older generation still doesn't fully get mental health and mental illness. Um, You know, it could be somebody who's not dealing with their own stuff that can't be there for you. Um, You know, knowing that it has nothing to do with you and choosing who do I know that is open, that can hear me, that can be there for me. Yeah. And, and reach out to those people because, you know, what happens is often we'll reach out to somebody who can't be there because of their own stuff, whatever exactly. they're dealing with. Yeah. And then we take it as a personal rejection and then feel worse about it. And like, okay. And then we yeah, get true. and don't <laughs> want to reach out. Yeah. So, yeah. so be, be selective. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, can't think of anybody that, you know, personally, again, go and find these groups because mm-hmm. there are caring people who you know, are living through it or ha- are on the other side of it and, and thriving. 
And, and these people are, are there and they're showing up because they care. Sure. So, so there, you know, there are ways to find people. And, and I know from my own experience, what got me to where I am today were not the people that I knew back when everything was going on. Yeah. It, was, it was a whole new set of people, a new set of beliefs, people that understood that every day can't be a good day, yeah. that, that, you know, life is hard and that we, life is messy and we're human and we screw up and then we fix things. And being around those people and that message was what got me through in the beginning because I had a lot of self-judgment. I had I, I would like to say the low self-worth. I had zero self-worth, zero yeah. self-esteem. I was, yeah. uh, you know, a, a mess. Yeah. And then being with these people, you know, who were all very new people and were just like, and it's okay for you to be how you are. Like, that's okay. You know, and, and just hearing that over and over from these people was really what picked me up. So, you know, Yes, you can stay in touch, you know, and I, I'm still in touch with, with some of, you know, not all the people because yeah, some I yeah. just had to like, it's like, I can't, you know, my values are very different from yours and yeah, I, yeah, I can't yeah. watch you, you know, yeah. live in the state of denial, <laughs> yeah. but really just, you know, being a people gatherer and, mm -hmm. and collector and just finding yeah. like, okay, you are someone who's loving and accepting. I want more of you in my life. And, yeah, and yeah. I want you too. And you're new and you're new. And, and really, yeah. and now I've got this beautiful, wonderful community of yeah. people from all different places yeah. that I know that, you know, because I still have bad days and, yeah. you know, and which is of course reasonable because that's what happens. But yeah. I know I, I can, and I have a list too. I should yeah. mention that too. In my phone, in my yeah. notes for those dark days, I have yeah. a list of the people that I know because we forget sometimes. And it's yeah. like, no, yeah. you can reach out to any one of these people and they're going to show up. And it, yeah. it may just be a matter of like hearing from them. I'm here and I love you. And it's like, yeah. okay, that's enough. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or more, but, yeah. but it's just, you know, kind of having like the, we, we do need to take responsibility mm -hmm. for that piece. True. You know, we can, we can stew in the, like, nobody understands, but it's like, yeah, nobody in your circle that you know currently, but that's not stopping mm -hmm. you from meeting new people. Right. So, and I think that's the most empowering thing that we can do for ourselves is, is take that responsibility for like, oh, you know what? I get to meet new people. It's yeah. not that I have to, it's I get yeah. to. And isn't, yeah. And isn't that, that a need process when the, the, who you thought would be supportive tends oh, out yeah. not to be the ones that the people who are supportive are the oh. ones who, isn't that, that, that yeah. whole process is, um, <laughs> I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's eye-opening. It yeah. can be very disappointing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the balance of it, though, is that when you're meeting these new people who are already in this loving and giving space, yeah. it's so beautiful. It's just like, yeah. wow, that's when you realize like how small your world really was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, definitely. Okay. definitely. You know? Definitely. Well, as we, as we wrap up for, for this week, I did want to mention a, a couple uh, resources for mm -hmm. um, everyone out there. I know that there is uh, Mental Health America at mhanational.org. There's also National Alliance on Mental Illness, nami.org. Um, and and um, if people had questions um, about you, how, how would 
people be able to, to, to contact you or if they if, if there's any other mm-hmm. resources that would yeah sure be um, they can find me on my website which is mm-hmm. michelleanhangcoaching.com mm-hmm. so michelle is two l's my last mm-hmm. name is a n h a n g um, and I'm also all over social media with the same uh-huh. handle. So Michelle and Hank coaching, look me up, uh-huh. feel free to reach out. Um, if you need resources, if you want support, um, I do offer one-on-one coaching, uh, for family members of people with severe mental illness. And I also work with people who, um, are ready to, take their own steps and really empower themselves with their own mental health challenges. So, you know, cause often we think that, okay, I'm taking medication that should do it. Yeah. And it's not, there's so much more, there's mindset, there's lifestyle. Okay. Absolutely. So I will help people alongside with the other professionals they might be working with on mm-hmm. really creating a life that serves them of looking yeah. at, okay, where, where can you be, you know, taking command, taking charge of your own mental wellness. So I call it mental wealth. Oh, definitely. Really accumulating that (laughs) abundance. Definitely. And you had mentioned um, coordination of care, and that's something that has helped me. So I I just wanted to emphasize that the coordination of care makes a huge difference. So, um, but um, thank you for for being here today. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And can I add a Canadian resource? Oh, ab- absolutely. Canadian? A- a- absolutely. You. Definitely. So uh, Canadian Mental Health Association is cmha.ca. And there's also um, Crisis Services Canada, which is crisisservicescanada.ca. So there's two just to start. Figured I might as well okay. Okay. make a plug for the Canadians. Oh, a- 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 absolutely. So c- <laughs> cmha.ca. CA? Dot CA, okay, yes. Cool. Yeah, we want to get uh, as many people represented as possible. So awesome. definitely, definitely. Thank you. So um, thanks everyone for, for listening. Um, stay safe and uh, talk to you next time. Uh, bye.